Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, Midweek Editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. As uh, we're already through uh, a Wednesday of the bye week, it's not felt like one just because of all the drama and news and speculation. We have Urban, not as a guest. Next best thing, though, Urban's podcast with our dear friend Tim May. Uh, some comments on candidates and a direct question and answer from one Urban Meyer about Nebraska. We'll have that coming up. We'll spend time with Mr. Husker football, Mike Babcock, as uh, we'll go over the week that's been. Really, it, September is one of the shorter months, and it, it's it's kind of flying, but it's it's also a bit of a standstill. It's weird to have a buy this soon. But you need it. You as a fan and your liver, God love you, need it. And uh, we'll spend a little bit more time here on on what's ahead for Nebraska with eight games left. What's realistic? What's doable? What what dare we say may be a cold reality with this football team? Can join us today. Get your emails in 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-800. 5865. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com and give us a find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me. And then uh, you have Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence for his Twitter handle. You can watch us. We're streaming here on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter, and on the Hale Varsity Radio Twitter feed at HVarsity Radio. And, and Schmidt, before we dive too deeply into actually important topics here, have have you actually thought about what you're going to do with an, an off weekend? It's the first one of these we've had in a, a while, it feels like. And we're still going to go with the, the Saturday morning edition. But we are. after that, you still have a, a whole Saturday ahead of you. Have you, have you actually thought Done. about what you're going to uh, do? I'm, I'm locked in. Me and Iowa Russ are golfing. Oh, good choice. The weather's going to be beautiful yeah, on Saturday. Th- th- here's the thing. And I'm, I have cursed Friday night college football for a while. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, you know what? During the pandemic, we had a lot of fall golf. <laughs> Okay, and it was incredible. Great temperatures, wonderful colors, right? Just scenic and beautiful, and very, uh, very comfortable. And you had you had minimal football, or you didn't start football till I think October thirtieth, right? Nebraska, Ohio State, and then you you went to December. It was an abbreviated season, so you got September and October to go play golf, like one. Small, 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 small. I'm underlining small here. Uh, perk of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. You had to look at the glass or beer being half full 
even in that situation. But no, I mean, Saturday is a bye week, so it's time to go lose money to Iowa Russ on the golf course. And then uh, that Saturday, weather permitting, you'll do Rutgers Friday night. I'll have another Saturday to watch college football on my phone and go try and find my uh, my three wood. Mm. See, I'm thinking I'm trying to find a group of people that are willing to, to drive up to Council Bluffs with me and go park ourselves in a sports book all afternoon for college football. Because I haven't gotten a true afternoon of just watching college football all season long. I, I try to stay updated with what I can. I think you're in the same boat here, Schmitty. But with our, our focus first and foremost being Nebraska, mm-hmm. that takes our focus probably three hours before kickoff up until kickoff through the game and then at least two to two and a half hours post game, where that kind of wipes out most of your Saturday. You don't get a chance to watch all that much college football. Barring, you know, an 11 a.m. kickoff, you get to watch the nightcaps. You but, do. Here's the other thing, and this is not nice to say, but it, <laughs> Nebraska and Indiana, they're, they're a night game. Do we, do we know what time Iowa State-Kansas play? Right? Because I think Iowa State-Kansas are in two weeks. I think they are. That October 1st game in the Big 12, aren't they? It's October 1st at 2.30 p.m. So, could you, you're not going to be able to make it from Ames, excuse me, from Lawrence to Lincoln in time. Uh-uh. You be, be kind unless of, you leave at halftime of, of the Iowa State-Kansas game, but based on how those so two should we do two? Up, should we do two pregames? Should we do a pregame in Lawrence? I can make that happen. That'd be really fun. Previewing who could be two of the, the top candidates for the Husker coaching job. Well, just... We, I think that's going to be a sweet game if they're both undefeated. Well, we could do a split pregame show where you could be in Lawrence, I could be in Lincoln, or vice versa. Well, what I want to do is let's do a pregame in Lawrence and then do a pre-Nebraska-Indiana game at Gary Michaels' tailgate. Oh, hit the roadie? Hit a midday roadie back to Lincoln? Yeah. It'd be fun. That'd be a lot I'm going to work on it. That'd be a lot of fun. Because I'm thinking about punting Purdue. <laughs> sure, as I'm not, I'm not, sure as hell not driving to West Lafayette now. Let's get into this. Okay, uh, Mike Babcox in 15 minutes, Evan Bland at 5. Okay, so what do we think of the remaining part of the season? Eight games, they're going back to work, fundamentals. Told you FPI says 2 and 10 Nebraska's number. Where are you at as a Nebraska fan? Do you... Do you think it's another at best two win season? Do they have one more in them? Do they have a three and nine written on their forehead? Is it four and eight? Can they get to five and seven? As it looks right now, who can they beat? Well, as it looks right now, or now nobody on the lines of scrimmage. I mean, Illinois is too physical, based on the eye test early season. Uh, Indiana, their back seven's pretty good, and they look. Fairly physical up front as well. And I know they're unbeaten. They haven't beaten anybody worth a darn. But they, they're they good defensively, right? And Nebraska's defense isn't stopping anybody. They're going to be Indiana's physical. Nebraska on most power ratings right now, they're the 14th ranked team in the Big Ten. And they're 1-3. and three. So does Nebraska creep to around 500? I think that's dreaming. But I think if that happens, that's a remarkable coaching job. I think it's an absolutely remarkable coaching job by Mickey. I know as a Nebraska fan, you, you don't want to stare down the barrel again of a, of a three and nine or worse or a, or a sub 500 season. But that's what the, the, the bookies are looking at. That's what the numbers are, are staring at right now. And. It's the uh, the current staff's job to coach the kids up. I think they're going to play hard and do well. 
as far as trying to prepare. And that's why you make a move as unpleasant as it feels for, for many pro Chenander folks out there. But Bill Bush and his attention to detail can help this defense. If the defense is going to get better, where they're not springing leaks on every level, it's going to start this week, and then they got to carry it over to Indiana. I think the the, the reality of a 2-10 and 10 is very real. Much like we talked Northwestern, that's your coin flip. That is your momentum killer or deliverer. If you don't get Indiana, I think I think it could absolutely uh, be a tailspin for the rest of the season if you don't get Indiana. I'd go as far as to say if you don't get Indiana, even right now looking at the schedule, I think one and eleven could be more likely than five and seven. Because to get to five and seven, you need to you, sweep. You, okay, you're telling me you need to sweep October most likely if you want to get to five and seven. <laughs> so we're we're talking three or four. Talking three or four. Yeah, mm-hmm. because Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, those are probably the four games on your schedule where you go, you know what? Maybe Nebraska's got a shot if they can make some significant bye week adjustments. Because you look at Minnesota, Minnesota's going to kill Nebraska in the lines of scrimmage based on what I've seen from them so far. Uh, Michigan's going to kill Nebraska in the lines mm-hmm. of scrimmage. Wisconsin's Just, definitely going right, to kill Nebraska. Right, in the lines November, of scrimmage. right November off. And then Iowa, like we joke about their offense. We've joked about it for a couple weeks now, but. Man, Nebraska, if they couldn't move the ball in Oklahoma, they are not. They might not get a first down against Iowa. And I'm being a little I- exaggeratory. We, there, we, we are we are, but we are jumping to conclusions here during the bye week of worst case scenario. But we're trying to be very real with where this football team's at, the transition that's here, and what their talent levels like. Now, it's not just talent level, but it's confidence. Mm. I mean, confidence is as much as anything. Who's with us on the we horn? Got Chris on the horn. Chris, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys. Did you see what Ibrahim did in the first quarter last week for uh, Minnesota? Against Colorado? Yeah. I, I, it was actually on replay on Big Ten Network last night, and I caught it at the bowling alley, so yes. Yeah. 100 yards, three touchdowns, first quarter. Yep. That translates to, well, probably more against Nebraska. <laughs> Mel, you're, you're saying Melvin Gordon output? Yeah, yeah. He rushed for 180 in the first half, and then they started bringing in their their you know second stringers or whatever. And don't forget, it was their fourth or fifth string back that got like 130 against us last year. So yeah, they they um, do a great job of developing the running back room in Minnesota. I will say that. Oh, uh, so does Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. yeah, I mean they were on their fourth string last year too when they clubbed us like a baby seal. But uh, <laughs> um, um, you know, I don't know. I mean. Indiana's got a far better win on their schedule than we do. Mm-hmm. We got to admit that Illinois is a far better team than North Dakota, and Illinois is going to club us. Man, they like. I mean, he's building a little Wisconsin there. He is. His they're lines. Run all, his lines are, ugly. Are, are brutal. They're they're really I physical. Be, I wouldn't be shocked at a one-win season. I'd be a little surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked. I think three wins is about our best hope. Yep. You know, so that's pretty um, realistic. I mean, I, I don't see, and we, that, you know, it's not because we don't out-talent these guys. We do. If, if recruiting means anything, then we out-talent everybody in the West. But you we know that coaching is far more important. We just haven't had the coaching. And we got to get back to getting coaches that, you know, take it seriously and don't play flag football. And, um, you know, that's just like, uh, I just, you know, then I guess there's a reason why they don't let guys into the practice. When there's all the secrecy, it's because they don't do something. Uh, I don't know that that's the case, but it just clearly it's, there's there's a way to go about 
practicing and developing. Chris, thanks for the phone call, but I appreciate you listening. Yeah. Um, Riley had open practices, and 2017 was no peach to watch it all. So it is what it is. It comes down to development, and uh, can you get guys ready? And and I'll say this. I, I'll say this. You're going to have – uh, time with with Bill Bush on that side of the ball. You're going to have time with with what Mickey wants done, and and we'll see what their vision is, and we'll see what they can produce uh, in in a short amount of time. But you can get guys better. I I know this. I know Ron Brown took over the running back department the final part of the season last year, and you saw more of a refined rotation. You saw a better run game. I was rewatching Oklahoma last night just because. It's it's a different view from the press box to, to to the Fox broadcast. And you know who was really fun to watch? And I know it was kind of garbage time, but, man, he was inching to, inching to get out. Gabe Irvin looked money. Mm. And I know A.J. Allen's looked fantastic, but good for Gabe Irvin. As hard and as passionate as he ran, he looked quick, he looked decisive, he looked trustworthy with his knee. So... If Nebraska can figure out something uh, run-wise, they still have some options to do that. I also like, and I'm not making a a quarterback controversy here, I like Chubba's mobility. I like Chubba and his ability to run or or scramble, right? He's a little more sturdy, a little bigger dude than than what you have in Thompson. Casey's done nothing wrong except play behind a tough offensive line. Uh, but, But Chubba... Again, context important, but Chubb is something to look at, to think about here moving forward, or even Smothers here. If, is, if Nebraska's best chance on offense is to slow it down and hold the football, you're going to need quarterback run element in this offense. But, and to get back to your point about Anthony Grant here for just a second, I was thinking about this yesterday. I didn't get a chance to bring it up, but just to, to, to represent where Nebraska's at this season, any other season yesterday, we would have spent the majority of the time talking about the A.J. Allen injury and what uh, Anthony Grant can do to come back. We, we would have asked probably every guest we had yesterday about that injury and, and what Anthony, or excuse me, what uh, Gabe Irvin brings, yeah. uh, what we saw from Gabe Irvin at the end of the Oklahoma game. That's what we've been talking about in a normal season. But this season's just at the point this now where, 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 I mean, A.J. Allen has almost been an afterthought here on the show. I mean, uh, it sounds like it's a collarbone injury, and it sounds like he's confident he's going to be yeah. able to come back just fine. And uh, you get a lot of guys coming back from collarbone injuries just fine. But, like, again, that's what we would have been talking about yesterday. We probably would have spent a good majority of the day today as well talking about that because that's the news story, what's happening on the field. But Nebraska's at a point where the, 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 the talking points are not what's happening on the field. And I don't want to say people are checked out of what's happening on the field because every game's still important, and I'm sure by Saturday, uh, I'll, or I guess a week from Saturday, I'll, I'll be geared up for, uh, for Indiana, and uh, we'll be ready to, to watch that and talk about that. But it's not quite normal, this, this media cycle, because Monday through Thursday – the opponent that's coming on Saturday isn't top of mind. No, it's what's going on off the field. What's Nebraska doing now in transition? Uh, That's what's been all too familiar with Nebraska the last 20 years, right? And and I mean, in another season, if I would have come on the air and said, you know what, I think 1-11 is more likely than 5-7, the phones would be ringing off the hook. But we've had one call. That's just kind of the the, the state that Husker Nation's in right now. I still think we got to figure out a way to Lawrence on October 1st for a pregame, and then we get back here for another pregame ahead of the 6.30 kick on BTN. It would work. I mean, the the, the, the Trev Bull, huh? Iowa State KU, assuming they're both undefeated, 
It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Our old uh, dear friend Rock Westfall chimes in. Uh, he says, one name not getting much traction is Bert, the pig farmer. <laughs> I love that Bielema has those two names, and, and they're accurate. He looks kind of like Bert. <laughs> he looks like an adult uh, Beavis. A little bit. And that's, listen, if he ever hears me say this, he'll probably spike me. He knows the old DNA from his Wisconsin days. Expert on the division and style Nebraska must play. He gets results. Illinois could be the Kansas of the Big Ten this year. Illinois was so close to a bowl game last year. Whatever you think of Lovey. Lovey had tough football players, good lines of scrimmage, and Bielema enhanced that. They'll get to a bowl game this year. They could. Mike Babcock's on the way with Hale Varsity. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity. We're presented by Currency. We'll check in with Mike Babcock in just a minute. Few comments can watch us here on Hale Varsity's Twitter feed, Hale Varsity Radio at HVarsity Radio. Also, ESPN Lincoln Twitter feed and ESPN Lincoln Facebook. So check that out if you want. Uh, Vic checks in from Denver. He says, You don't want to spend uh, Saturday in West Lafayette, Indiana. I had that thing circled to go to originally because it was supposed to be nebraska michigan october 15th they moved october 15th game into november i.e michigan on the road to start your november they flipped purdue around and it could have been could have would have should have right as you pick some uh, some early ball games the uh you project ireland was huge incredible experience we're still doing Black Friday in Iowa City, but from a West Lafayette standpoint, Purdue's one and two, Nebraska's one and three. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get to some more comments here. Can take your phone calls as well. Uh, what is your outlook? What's your win total look like moving forward here for Nebraska with eight games remaining? Chris at HaleVarsity.com or 466-3776. Mike Babcock with us, Mr. Husker Football at MD Babs on Twitter. And uh, Mike, uh, a tough weekend for Nebraska, not only the Oklahoma outcome, but also uh, moving on from Coach Chenander. It, it, it just kind of seems like a, a tough cycle Nebraska can't get out of. Head coach, coordinators, and disarray right now. Tough job for Mickey and company. I guess the one positive is that the, he's got the off week to to uh, try to do some things. But you know, it, it, we, we've talked about this before. But you know, you come in, you're the interim head coach. You're playing Oklahoma at the time, number six team in the country. Um, they're as good as advertised, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a tough time there, so then people are skeptical. You come out of that. You release your defensive coordinator who. I think just about anybody that covered the beat uh, 
would say that he was a good guy. You know, you really sure. hated to see it, but um, you could understand, given the yardage that the Huskers had given up, um, but it's kind of the same thing, you know, you're, you, you've already uh, gone into the season four games and, you know, now you're making another change. Uh, an interim head coach and a new defensive coordinator. I'm a Bill Bush guy, so I think, you know, he'll, he can get the job done, but it's on a very tight schedule from a time standpoint. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. But it's, it's the, the one good thing, I guess, is the off week. And I think that was probably taken into consideration when the changes were made. What's been your impression of Mickey so far? Uh, th- that's a monster week to have to juggle from a, uh, an emotional standpoint and then a prep standpoint and then your opponent and, and then you, you also make the move on, on chins. So, so far, what do you think of the job Mickey's done? You know, I'm I'm a Mickey Joseph uh, uh, supporter. You know, I think I said before I'd like to see the interim dropped at some point. But uh, you know, I think he's handled things well. He's a he's a tough-minded guy. I remember when he came here. Um, you know, he one of the things he said was, "You got to win." You know, that's the bottom line because people were talking about, well, you know, you're a former Husker, you know, you're coming home, all this stuff, and he's like, yeah, that's it's all great, but you got to win. That's the, you know, and 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 that's the thing that uh, I think he he'll do what it takes to get the job done as best he knows how, and we'll see how it goes. But he's very, I think, very tough-minded, and I think he relates to his players uh, very well. Um, I think he relates to the media pretty well. He has a little bit of a uh, what comes across as a sense of humor, and in this time and situation, there's not much room for humor. Mike, I got a, a text from my Uncle John last night, and it essentially said Mickey Joseph right now uh, probably has the, the toughest job in America in terms of coming in and being an interim head coach for this Husker football team. And it's one thing if you're an interim head coach that steps into a, a team that's close, you know, that, that kind of team that's 5-7, and 4-8, and eight, and they're just trying to make a bowl game. But this team, as Schmidt and I were talking about in the first segment, looks a lot closer to 1-11 to and 11 than 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Or six and six. So, I mean, how far away is this, I mean, Husker football team? What, what do you think Mickey Joseph is going to have to do, not in terms of X's and O's and, and on the field, but what, what is he going to have to do uh, just with the team as a whole in order to get them to a point where, where they're at least competitive in more games than not down the stretch? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's his leadership, his mentality, um, you know, that basically we're going to get the guys on the field that want to get the job done. We're going to compete this week and and uh, and see who steps up and you know like I said he understands it's a it's about winning that's what you have to do and I think he'll do the things that he can to to try to accomplish that but again it's a, it's a considerable task and I think uh, um, your grandfather got it right uh, from that standpoint is it's it's really a difficult situation the other thing that I liked that Mickey said after the game was you know that we're going to um, we're going to do things the right way. We're going to treat it as if we're going to be here. Uh, and if we aren't, you know, we'll still have done things the right way. And that involves recruiting as well as, as uh, coaching. So I think, you know, you, you might look at that as kind of an empty statement, but, but I didn't. I thought that was pretty substantial. I thought it was important for him to point that out. 
Um, and I think that'll be his approach. Now, how that translates into win, wins and losses, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of with you guys. I don't think that it's it's potentially a bull situation here, but you never know. Let's see what happens against Indiana. Let's go one game at a time because if you can play well against Indiana, you you know there are teams on the schedule yet that you've got a shot at. I think if you can get things together, get the pieces together, and get everybody pulling in the same direction. Mike, as you've covered Nebraska football, how how turbulent has this season been? I mean, does it have similarities to you to 07 and 17? And I, I guess I ask, is is this as bad as you've seen it? And that's not a shot at Mickey. That's not a shot at Bush or Trev. It's just what is. You, you have how things got started this year, and you have a dismissal and another dismissal. I mean, there's been coaching changes, but not at this point. And I don't question. I mean, I think Trev made the right call, okay? And I think Mickey made the right call, and that sucks to say because, again, we all like chins. Yes. But uh, from, a, from, a, from a standpoint of just eye test right now, you've seen a lot of teams have tough years in the last 15 years. Yeah, that's true. And, I, you know, yeah, the examples that you give, uh, no, I don't think they were near the turmoil uh, that we see now. You know, I, I think that uh, – um, you know, it's it's just here's here's the bottom line. You got to start somewhere. You got to do something, and I think that you have you have the athletic director that will do it mm-hmm. um, because you've seen Trev Alberts make the difficult decisions uh, in the past. Um, you know how difficult was it to to uh, remove football and wrestling at, at Nebraska Omaha at, at Omaha University. Uh, he made the tough decisions. He wasn't real popular for making those, but they turned out to be the right decisions. And he's done the same kinds of things at Nebraska, I think. Uh, making it was, couldn't have been an easy decision to get rid of Scott Frost. Um, you know, it couldn't have been an easy decision for Mickey to get rid of Chins, and they had to have some support from the athletic director on that. Um, yeah, I haven't seen anything like this. You'd have to go back to the... Uh, probably the Bill Jennings era, and even then, I don't know if it was um, it was quite quite the where the, where it is right now. Mike, the thought is all right. If you've been a successful program in the past, you have a chance to be successful in the future. You've had Bama, you've had Oklahoma, you've had Florida, you've had Penn State, Texas, SC. Go through the list, Miami. <laughs> they've all had down years. They've all had transition, turnover, turmoil. Uh, they've they've so they've crawled back to some degree. Is that or is there a real fear though that Nebraska is on the brink of becoming something they've always not been, and that's just kind of an afterthought on the college football landscape? Well, you know, we've been saying this now for a while. You know that right. Nebraska's going to get just back and coach away. Yeah. <laughs> It hasn't. It hasn't happened. So, you know, the longer it goes, the more concerned you have to be about it. Uh, but again, like I said, you got to start somewhere. You you know, from the maybe from the bottom up, and 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 hopefully Nebraska has bottomed out, and and the only way is up. Certainly, uh, you would look at it and say that that's the case. Mike, with about our uh, last ninety seconds, maybe about two minutes, uh, I want you to. to 
quickly just give your take on how long this next coach at Nebraska is going to have to get things back and maybe describe what back means to you as well. But Scott Frost got a little over four years and we said at the start, this is a four or five year project. And well, uh, after four or five years, we, we all saw what, what what was going down with the Husker football team. The next coach, though, how much time is he going to get to get this thing right? I think we're looking at the same kind of a thing, four or five years, because you, you're looking at the the recruiting period, you know, that you bring in guys your first year and how do those guys develop and so forth, how do they fit into the program down the line. Um, I, you know, I think it's going to be no different uh, from that standpoint. But when you get in that kind of uh, rotation, you know, Four or five years, new coach. Four or five years, new coach. Um, you have to make so many changes that, it, that it's difficult to get back to where you need to get. And so I, you know, I, ho- I hope that uh, you would look at it and say, um, well, we can we can do it now. You've got to win. You know, that's the thing. We, we were looking at last season. Oh, look how close the games were. Yeah, but the bottom line was they didn't win. And uh, that's that's where they're at right now. Um, so I think it'll be the same kind of a thing, but it's a different time, and and uh, recruiting is a different situation. NIL is different. Uh, transfer portal is different. Uh, there are so many things that you have to take into account, but you got to start somewhere. Well, Nebraska has always just been chasing. They've never had a moment to, to stop, be solid, and then build off of some success. It's always been constant turnover somehow some way so we'll see if that cycle ends up breaking mike babcock with us from hail varsity at md babs on twitter mike thanks for a few minutes today always wonderful to chat with you and we'll uh we'll turn our attention to iu next week all right sounds good thanks for having me guys appreciate you mike babcock with us and uh, always love chatting with babbers we'll dive into to that you know topic of your your one more mishire away from oblivion. Mm. I mean, do you feel that way? Because it has been quite a while where you've been hitting reset, reset, reset. But it just takes a, a right one. And maybe that's where uh, Nebraska's headed. Hail Varsity continues presented by Currency. When you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? The high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now before it's too late and now and now back to hail varsity radio we'll have some thoughts from urban meyer on nebraska on urban's own podcast with our friend tim may there's still plenty of question marks with uh, the the names that are out there and that's you see different polls out there and uh there's still a strong urban poll, and then there's those that are like, eh, I can't, I, I can't do it again today. I can't dive into it. Uh, more thoughts from Vic when it comes to Nebraska's win total. Look, we just have no idea what Mickey can do. What we've been taught for the last four plus years is that we're going to build up, uh, we're going to end up two and ten, but 
That is why we fired Frost. If, if, if Mickey can motivate the guys, we'll see uh, completely different results. A huge tell will be what happens against Indiana. We get smoked. Find uh, ways to fill your Saturdays so you don't end up in rehab. <laughs> when you can uh, still watch some games with some hope. Very, very fair point. Uh, emails to get to as well. Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Phone lines open till 5. Evan Bland coming up. 466-3776-800-825-5865. And quickly here to Vic's point, what scares me is that based on what I've seen the past four games, simply adding motivation and leadership isn't going to be enough to save this team. That's what scares me. I mean, the, the leadership and the motivation can help you. What's the, t- what's the true talent level like? Yes. Right? It is, is how close are we to that true talent level right now in terms of motivation and leadership? If you're close to your true, true talent level, but you're just not living up to it, that can help. My question is, is again, that, that off-season development, what's been happening behind the scenes? Are, are these guys actually playing up pretty close to their potential right now? I, I have no earthly I say potential. I shouldn't say no, potential. I have, I have no earthly idea what the potential is because you've seen recruiting rankings, right? If Nebraska's three top 150 offensive linemen are healthy, if Teddy's healthy, is it a different story on the offensive line? Partially. But if you're not flipping Corker into three different spots over a three-year period, and Ben Hart, right? I mean, those are three dudes the rest of your own league wanted, okay? And and right now, it's not just those guys, but they're part of the struggle. So, what's up? What's going on? I don't know, man. I don't know if OU's just been right with their recruiting rankings and Nebraska's misevaluated, but I think it's just been a lot of lack of development in some regions. That's that's where I stand. Uh, Todd emailed in, uh, and Todd said, "You know what? What were the coaches doing before they went on the road? Uh, when it comes to uh, the 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 week of fundamentals, right? Well, if they're going on the road, where's the fun? There, there's still going to be position coaches here to to keep drilling. You know, kids aren't playing football for the first time. Pete's with us here on Hale Varsity. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for calling. How are you doing today? Good, thanks. I give you my opinion. I could be way off base, but I really think they need to simplify the offense. They need to go to more of a run, power run game slow slow the game down get out of that uh, 10 second uh, call a play and run it that gives the defense some rest and i think the defense needs to simplify and get good at something Mm -hmm. you can't get good at 30 different uh, defenses you need to simplify in, in two or three defenses and get better at it and if the players don't quit I really think we're just going to slowly see marked improvement throughout the season. I don't know what the record's going to be. It all depends on how much improvement you see. But it's going to take time. It, it, you didn't go full, through fall camp and three weeks of the season and now have to stop and reverse and change everything through practice and what you're doing. That takes time, and it's going to take time. So we can't expect results immediately. But I think if they simplify, slow it down, get good at something, and uh, simplify the defense, 
I think uh, they'll get better by the end of the year. Pete, love the thought. Good work. And Pete's always, he's a regular caller, and he loves his football, man. He loves Nebraska. And he always has a good thought. Yeah, find something you're 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 worth a damn at. <laughs> uh, Russ yes. with us here on Hale Varsity. Russ, thanks for hanging on. Go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. What do you know? Well, I have to be more of an optimist. I, you know, there's talent on this team, and they just haven't been coached up. And now we're going through all this turmoil, but. Mm-hmm. We got eight games left. I'm just—I don't like the, the pessimists on the radio shows. Let Mickey get. Let's, let's see what Mickey can do. He's got two weeks to kind of get the, a little bit of the culture in the right way. And uh, Russ, let me I ask you this. Let if, me ask uh, you this, Russ. I—I I am the last guy in the world that wants to follow covering a three and nine football team that turns into a two and ten football team or a one and eleven football team. We, we don't cheer, but there are preferences. And the preference would be go win some ball games, right? And so I'm just throwing out there, based on what you've seen eye test-wise, uh, do, do you think it's possible right now to get coached up enough to, to get to, to potential bowl eligibility? Damn right. Damn right. Because as far as skill-wise, in, uh, I think we got on the, in the West Division – Overall talent on wide receiver and running back, we're as good as anybody, especially the re- wide receiver. Don't disagree, you know, but where do you think where do you think the lines are at? Play though? better, yeah. And we need to get our defense uh, to play like they're capable. We got some new pieces that are not playing very well right now, and let's see what the new coaches. I think Bush is going to be a big improvement, and uh, yeah, I'm not ready. It's one game at a time, you know. Mm. If we get blown out by Indiana or lose. Then yeah, then we might be looking at a two-win season. But to say we're closer to one and eleven than the five and seven—that's a bunch of garbage. That really is. That's just that's the worst-case scenario. And I'm not I'm not throwing in the towel. And I, I hope the rest of the fans don't. And and I'm looking forward to the game in uh, in two weeks. So. Good enough, Russ. Appreciate the phone call, man. Thanks for uh, chiming in. Four six six three seven seven six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Russ is like coach him up. And, hey, you get a chance to do that with Bush and Mickey. I respect that take. I was waiting for that phone call back in the first segment whenever I said that. I was thinking somebody was going to call in and say it, and Russ finally uh, ripped the Band-Aid off. So thank you, Russ, for that. Uh, I'll just say— And it, it was Harry part of the arm, too. My, 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 yeah, my, my counterpoint is Nebraska does have a, a lot of talent on this football team. Uh, the talent hasn't always come to the forefront. I think that falls on coaching. But the, 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 what concerns me and why I say I think 1-11 might be even more realistic than 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six is because of those lines of scrimmage. Those are hard to get coached up in only eight weeks. Can't microwave. No. Can't, can't microwave the lines of scrimmage. Wide receivers, maybe. You can't microwave the lines. And you've had, you've had some guys. And to, I think Babber's point too is i mean you you guys you were counting on are no longer here right uh d train daniels rogers that was supposed to be additional options on the line now you added but you lost guys that knew system and scheme and and try to get some of these guys up to speed for big 10 play in in a limited time is like trying to cook a brisket in 30 minutes 
Yeah, and it's not going to turn out I'm great. Not, and I'm not paying for that brisket. We'll wind down this first hour tale of varsity presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Evan Bland going to be with us. We'll check in with Evan from the Omaha World Herald. Also dive into alcohol sales proposed at PBA Ooh, baby. for Nebraska basketball and events. I'm all good with that. City Council have to take up uh, booze when it comes to uh, Haymarket and baseball, but uh, whatever can help you get through and enjoy, right? Uh, we're presented here by Currency. For all of your equipment financing needs, got to go currency. Also want to tell you about Red Zone Tickets. Uh, selling fun since 2001. Do you have seats? Do you have tickets you can want to use but can't? you want to sell some tickets? Do you want to buy some tickets to an event coming to town? How about Dave Matthews at CHI in November? Or Nebraska, Indiana, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Hey, uh, you have the folks at Red Zone Tickets that have Husker football tickets and volleyball tickets for sale. NFL. How about some Creighton basketball? Concerts, theater, uh, seats, and, yes, CWS. Red Zone Tickets, they are local. They're located in Omaha, and they are your local source. An A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, 100% guarantee on all orders, and you'll receive authentic tickets and the experience, experiences you'll never forget. And it's time to check off that bucket list right now. Create memories that last a lifetime. Visit RedZoneTickets.com. RedZoneTickets.com. Uh, out of Omaha, selling fun since 2001. How fun would it be to be uh, in, uh, in New York right now? Camped out in the outfield for... Mm-hmm. Home run number 61 and potentially number 62. Junior has been stalking Aaron Judge since he could probably walk. And he's gotten most Yankee autographs, but uh, Jeter and, of course, Judge have been elusive. Well, did you hear that the kids who caught his... I uh, saw that as a group of the them. 60th home run, all about the same age as Junior, and they gave the ball back for free to the Yankees because of all Judge has done for the organization, which... Oh, yeah, that, that, was, that was a bad move on their part, is, is just what I'll say. I, maybe, maybe I respect it from the, the fandom side of things, but also like, hey, maybe work your way into some season tickets next season. That's not hard for the Yankees to pull off. They're, no. the, they're, the, they're the New York Yankees. and I mean, all judges given to the New York Yankees, like, what are you talking about? He hasn't won a World Series. He hasn't really won anything with the He'll Yankees. He'll get an MVP this year. And, Tur- and turned down a contract he, extension last offseason. But, He's, man, was he right. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, good. For, he was right. Good for Aaron Judge. But, like, from this kid's point of view, like, hey, get yourself some tickets. Get yourself a little meet and greet with Aaron Judge. Get, get yourself get something Get a signed cool. jersey, something, right? Uh, Todd emails in. Uh, he's uh, wondering why, that you know, they still can't tackle or have fundamental issues. He's still hung up on the fundamentals. Todd, I don't know. Uh, maybe it wasn't emphasized or practiced as much as, as it should have been. And Todd's wondering if he'll run into anybody that used to, to be in Lincoln at the casino. And maybe we get into this with Evan. I wonder if it comes down to, to misevaluation from the coaches on the defense in terms of where they it's, thought it's, they were it's at. It's both. I think it's misevaluation and I think it's coaching up. Well, I, I think you, you may have not exactly realized where this defense was, like say on October, or sorry, on August 1st. You didn't realize where they were. You thought they were ahead of where they were. Uh, compared to what you actually saw when they hit the field against Northwestern, you were hoping your your high priced portal of uh, portal additions would hit, 
and you wouldn't miss a beat with Win, with Drew, and with O'Shawn. Maybe try to get those guys integrated. Less le- left less time for fundamentals and more time for you know other things. They're all swimming. Uh, Evan Bland on the way hour too. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress, and the work environment. It's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back in, it's Hour 2 at Tail Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. It is that time. It's time for Evan Bland with the Omaha World Herald. Evan, what do you do during a bye week? Good to spend some time with you. <laughs> well, like a, like a regular bye week when things are normal? Uh, <laughs> that tends to be, you know, a week where we go a little heavier on features, uh, you know, a little, little less uh, Valentino's Pizza mm-hmm. around Memorial Stadium. So those are all good things. Um, this bye week, a little bit different. It's It's been, uh, you know, I'm doing some stuff on the coaching search and, uh, you know, just it's, it's a different sort of vibe. It doesn't necessarily feel like a, a bye week in a lot of ways, but I just not having to prepare like to, to cover a game, to, to learn about an opponent this week. It's actually kind of refreshing. I'll be honest. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, it, it, I suppose it really isn't all that different this year, just given how things have gone. Well, uh, a thought on you know Nebraska's defense moving forward. That that's the news with Janander being relieved, and you have Coach Bush being elevated. And uh, I'm sure you you've dove in a little bit here. What do you anticipate with the defense moving forward? Well, I kind of feel like the things that we talked about, Bill Bush being good for the special teams, sort of translate to the defense too, where we're talking about attention to detail. We're talking about fundamentals. uh, We're talking about uh, a guy who can emotionally connect with his players and and get them, uh, you know, juiced and ready for a a big game and a big moment. Um, I I think all those things come into play well with him schematically. It'll be kind of interesting to see. I mean, he, he's had a a couple of 
stops in his career where he's been a, a defensive coordinator or a co-DC. Um, you know, Mickey Joseph, I thought it was interesting, made a point of mentioning at his press conference that Bill Bush had worked with Dave Aranda, you know, defensive guru, Baylor head coach now at three different stops over like a five-year span, not all that long ago. So, um, you know, Bill Bush is someone who's who's been around a great defensive mind, somebody who has worked with a lot of good secondaries himself over the years. So, I suppose that's where it starts because, you know, again, we're, we're midstream. We're a third of the way through the season. Uh, I think it's probably unrealistic to expect wholesale schematic changes or changes in terminology or things like that. To me, it's more um, about getting back to basics and finding a guy who has a passion for getting guys back to basics, right? Gap integrity, uh, technique, fundamentals, tackling, all the sort of things that have hurt Nebraska to this point, I think it's a it can be a talented defensive unit, and it at times has been uh, slow. I think in in some regard because it's been thinking things through. You know, early on in the season, players spoke about maybe some some calls coming in late, and there being some confusion. And part of that has to do with transfers and, and new guys playing big roles. So I think a guy like Bush uh, has the ability and, and and the people skills, quite honestly, to come in. Um, you know, maybe refocus some guys and help unlock the talent that's that's in there. It just hasn't been evident to this point in games. Yeah, and Evan, it feels like a long time ago, but if I go back a couple months, the prevailing thought was that it was going to be the defense early in the season that was going to carry the load, while the offense were the ones that were catching up to the defense. And I want to get your take on that misevaluation. Do you think that's part of the reason why we're at this point in the season right now, where they have to get back to basics because those were overlooked in preseason because you saw potential talent within this defense and you just misevaluated where this defense was at, say, August 1st, as opposed to where they actually were? Yeah, to a point. I know. I think part of it's a sort of a cautionary tale to this idea that you know. Again, we in the media hear from coaches and players. We are not allowed to attend practice. We don't see anything ourselves. Not that, that I'm a talent scout or anything like that. But the point being that it, those expectations are built on what players and coaches have said. And and I think that 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 was part of it, right? I mean, Scott Frost, at Big Ten Media Days, offered up this idea that edge rusher might be Nebraska's best position, deepest position. And through four games, there just hasn't been a lot of pressure. And I think that's part of it. To me, the other part that I, I suppose I over, uh, overvalued would be this idea of, of continuity in the staff. I mean, Eric Chenander has been there. He was there for four plus years. There was stability with a lot of the position coaches um, back to front. And so, uh, when you have that and when you have guys who are stepping in who have been in the program for a number of years as sort of reserves or um, backups, special teams people, like you, you kind of feel like, or at least I did, that they could step in, have a pretty strong grasp of the scheme and of the, the terminology and what they want to do and just sort of take the baton and run with it. But I think what we've come to find is that, uh, you know, maybe in some ways just how much those veteran guys from last year really – were what, what kind of impact they made? What JoJo Doman brought to the to the group? What um, you know that secondary with Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams did, and and how how valuable they were. So I think all that plays into it. Um, and then I think you have to factor in some of the psychological stuff too. I mean, these guys before the season they they felt the pressure and they they talked about wanting to play for their head coach and wanting to uh, you know make the state proud and, and sort of cool the hot seat talk and. Uh, you know, you, you bring all that together, and and 
it just hasn't clicked. I don't think anybody expected it to be as porous as it's been, like worst in the country type level. Um, but unfortunately, you know, that's where we are, and that's why there's, uh, you know, a lot of change going on right now in the program. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald, talking Nebraska football, no such thing as a buy at Evan Bland, O-W-H. And I think to your point about, all right, next man up, you've been in the program, uh, all right, get your feet wet and then go do your job. Well, I, I think we're seeing uh, on both lines of scrimmage just how either there's been some misevaluation or lack of de- uh, lack of development, Evan, because th- they've struggled on, on the lines of scrimmage. And guys have been here or they've been forced to go to the portal, right? And that, uh, that, that's been a bit of a mess with everyone being on the same play- page or at least playing free. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, the lines of scrimmage to me is the most predictable struggle that have, that have kind of come out of this first four games. I mean, you just you didn't get the sense, especially on the offensive line, that they addressed what they needed to address in the offseason. Um, you know, you look around where some of the transfers have plugged in. Early on, they were all over the place except on the offensive line. And given what we knew about that group, I, I felt like that was sort of a warning flag that, you know, boy, um, the group kind of is what it is. There weren't maybe a ton of noticeable upgrades at that spot. And then you factor in a suspension, you factor in an injury, and and it's just it's not a good situation. And, and there are really no clear answers at this point, right? You can't go out and sign somebody. You can't go back to the portal right now. Um, the guys are who the guys are. They have some depth there. I think if you wanted to look at the sixth or the seventh or the eighth guy, uh, whoever that might be, they have bodies and players that they can plug in at that spot. Um, I think that unit becomes even more interesting after what Mickey Joseph said this week, that Nebraska is going to slow the tempo down in an effort to protect the defense. Uh, you know, you don't want to have uh, your opponent getting 12, 13, 14 possessions when your defense can't stop the run. It's just not a way to win a game. And so it'll be fascinating to me to see how much they can rely on that side of the ball, that, that, uh, that front five moving forward. As for the defense, I mean, they, they were hit hard in that sense in the portal too. When you lose, uh, you know, Casey Rogers, you lose Damian Daniels, you lose Deontre Thomas. Those were all guys who could have come back this year for and had eligibility, eligibility remaining. And they decided not to for different reasons. Um, and, and so you were starting over there outside of Ty Robinson too. You were counting on, players who haven't taken a lot of meaningful snaps to do that and to do it well. You were counting on transfers from other leagues who were rotational players to step in and be the guys. And it just hasn't happened for, for again, for a number of different reasons. Um, and again, it's just not a situation that I see you can, that you can fix in, in a short term. I don't know that a bye week can do that much uh, to cure what ails Nebraska there. I think it's got to be, Kind of like you said, Chris, uh, there needs to be more development. There needs to be better recruiting on, on those uh, positions in particular. And I would imagine that's going to be a major priority for whoever becomes the next permanent head coach in Nebraska moving forward. Evan, when you talk about the, the offense wanting to hold the ball a little bit longer during the games, really control that time of possession <clears> to keep the, the defense off the field, uh, how important do you think the loss of A.J. Allen is going to be moving forward for that goal? I mean, he, he was a rotational piece at back, but then again, we also haven't seen many guys behind him, which I think might speak to, to just how much talent guys like A.J. Allen and Anthony Grant brought into the program this season at the running back position. So well, what do you make of that loss uh, as it looks in terms of the entire season moving forward? 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I thought A.J. Allen looked really good in the first half Saturday. He looked like somebody who could be, you know, a star at Nebraska in a year or two. He's quick. He was decisive, physical, and, you know, just it happens, right? That's sort of the nature of the position. And, you know, it's funny you think back to the conversation before the season where Nebraska has, you know, five, six scholarship guys that are sort of co-number ones or co-number twos or whatever you want to call it on the depth chart. And you just you kind of felt like that would sort itself out as it's gone along. And, and I think it has to some uh, to some extent with Anthony Grant taking that lead back spot. But, you know, we, you kind of have to acknowledge that it's a position in football where there are going to be injuries and you're going to need depth. And I think that's one position where Nebraska actually could afford an injury, not that you ever want to see it. But, you know, Gabe Irvin's proven it in his career last season. He, he started a couple of games and looks good and uh, limited action this year, too, I thought. So for him stepping in to a bigger role, uh, I, I don't expect there to be too much of a drop-off for Nebraska there. And they still have depth beyond that, too, with Jacquez Yant. And we still haven't seen Ramir Johnson out there. So they have other bodies that can you know, get this thing moving forward, too. But uh, obviously, again, not, not something you want to see with Allen. And it sounds like he'll be back in the off season. And, and again, I think uh, somebody that if he, if he stays and, and Nebraska can, you know, find some stability moving forward, that, you know, he could be a star for that particular group uh, in the future. Evan. All right. Let's talk coaching search and opening. And you have Bruce Feldman's report out that uh, <clears throat> Leopold O'Brien Campbell are the three. What order do you have them or do you have your own top three? Yeah, I don't have any reason to doubt that report, and I think those are all very sort of uh, common sense sort of candidates for various reasons. I've been digging into uh, each of those guys a little bit. I mean, I'll tell you what, Lance Leopold, you look at what he's done at some of his other stops, it's really impressive. I mean, he, he resurrected that Buffalo program that was one of the worst in the country before he got there, that he had them in the top 25 by the time he left a couple of years ago in Kansas, the start that he's had with that team and, and how bad that program's been with some pretty high-profile head coaches over the years, that's that's something that's just got to get your attention. So uh, the more I, I dig into Lance Leopold, the, the more impressed I am with what he's done at various stops. He has obviously some Nebraska connections, too. He was on staff in the early 2000s. He was uh, an assistant with Nebraska-Omaha when they had a program in the, in the 20-aughts. And so uh, I think that's someone you have to look at pretty closely. Matt Campbell, obviously, his name's been linked uh, with a lot of jobs over the years. And he was somebody who we had heard last year had Nebraska decided to make a move that he was interested in maybe making uh, the jump to, to Lincoln and to the Big Ten. So you have to continue to watch him and, and see what he's done with Iowa State, which is another program that just doesn't have a lot of tradition since uh, before he arrived. And then Bill O'Brien's another interesting one with what he did at Penn State and, and the situation that he inherited, inherited out of the Sandusky scandal. Um, you know, his time in the NFL, I don't know how much you can uh, put into that because it's such a different challenge from the college game. But then uh, what he's done with Alabama and, and Bryce Young over there, has been really impressive, too. So, you know, whether those three end up sort of being the finalists moving forward or if there are some other candidates that emerge that we're not even talking about right now, um, I think all that's possible. But one thing that's certainly true about the three that, that we just spoke of is that they have a track record of rebuilding programs that have been down on their luck. And I think that's something 
that they can draw from if any of them were to step in and try to turn this thing around at Nebraska. Evan Bland is with us here from the Omaha World-Herald. And Evan, I think I'm going to ask you what may be the most important question we're going to ask you today. Beer, alcohol sales looks to be coming to Pinnacle Bank Arena and Haymarket Park here soon. So, Evan, if you're in charge of this, one beer, Schmidt says three. Well, we're, there's three candidates, right? We're just talking the, the three the three coaching candidates. I was going to give yeah. Evan, you and I were on the same page, unscripted, with this final question. Mm-hmm. What what three, what three beer are you picking or what three beers? Let's go three. I like that. Uh, you like the three beers? Okay, so three beers, Evan. You can pick. Okay. Well, hey, I, the first one for me is easy. I'm I'm a big spotted cow guy out of Wisconsin. That's, we, we will smuggle it in just for you. <laughs> I know, I know. That's not realistic for PBA or what whatnot. But you know, yes, let's smuggle that one in. Uh, I, you know, I, I won't turn down a fat tire. I, I think those are pretty great. And then if you want, if you're looking a little more mainstream, um, you know, course, I think that's one that uh, you can uh, is a crowd pleaser more often than not. No, that's that's good. Uh, selfishly, we're going to go with uh, Kincaider's Hail Ale, the Hail Varsity sure. beer. Uh, so that'll be on tap. That'll be one. I think Coors is a good call. And uh, just because uh, I still smile about it, uh, Guinness direct from Ireland. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to forget that. <laughs> Not the Guinness. <laughs> it was pretty good. It was was pretty it that good. much better in Ireland than it was than it is stateside? Oh, man, it was so good. Yes. And, and listen, okay. I... I didn't bathe in it. I mean, I paced myself. I I, I worked. I behaved, Evan. But <laughs> sure. um, it was <laughs> you're like, yeah, whatever, dude. Uh, but no, um, it was it was really really good. It was really good. Evan Bland with this World Herald. Evan, enjoy the the rest of your bye week. Uh, air quoting that, and we'll talk next week. Thanks for a few minutes. Thanks, guys. Each year, approximately five thousand children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. So Todd is still continuing the email about how bad I am at reading emails. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't, well, seriously, right? I'm, I'm pretty decent at at reading you gotta be through lots of extra work uh, you gotta be somewhat comprehensive and coherent he's 50 today so he's pissed off well happy birthday first off yeah todd so enjoy lovely council bluffs and your your casino trip and just spell it out for me if i'm too uh, lost with my reading comprehension with what you're trying to say just say it. They haven't been coached up to tackle. Is that what you're inferring? It's, it's technically not supposed to be chicken scratch with email. That's how I feel trying to sift through it. But thanks for your emails. Happy 50th. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not 50 yet. You're close. I'm a ways. Closer to 50 than 40. No. 
I'm right in that sweet spot. We're not in this two and ten, six and six discussion. <laughs> We're not there. We need some sort of urban sounder, don't we? No, that's what we're going to say this segment, Urban Meyer. Right. I'm sa- No, I'm saying we need some sort of urban sounder because this is just the beginning, just the beginning of, of Coaching Search 2022. Uh, we'll get to some of your calls here in a moment. Uh, good stuff from Evan Bland. And we've been talking about blue blood programs that were once dominant, that fell on hard times, that crawled back from the gutter. Do you feel like Nebraska as a whole is teetering? And yeah, that's the answer. Because you're on to another coaching search. You're on to another set of eyeballs nationally and you've got uh, Trev to uh, to do the heavy lifting here with picking the right guy and the next guy is going to need the original timeline that Scott was promised so because Scott didn't get it done and and you're you're really behind now since 2014, you're, you're going to be on a fourth coach, fifth if you want to count interim. Was that pleasant, or are you just doing me a solid? Hmm. Phone call. Oh, it was, it was, it was Pete on the line. He didn't want to go on the air. Okay. Not today. Okay. If, if the conversation comes there, we'll, we'll get to what Pete had to bring up, but mm-hmm. we'll see where, where the conversation no, takes no, us. Where, where we were going is the, the reality of um, not too far gone as a program. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can, you're running out of swings. And I'll say this between Frank and Bo, they left their successors, guys uh, on second and third with less than two out. I'll say that Callahan left Bo, bases loaded, no out. When you look at the talent that got coached up. The Sues, right? The Hags, the Princes. The, there were some dudes on, on both lines of scrimmage, right? They, they, they just fell short uh, with Callahan and Cosgrove. But right now, what has followed <laughs> Riley and, and now Frost, I mean, whoever comes into this program is coming into a place that, that's had a bomb go off with what's in the cupboard or what's been developed. Okay? We don't we know there's some groceries. Can you make a great meal or have things expired? That's that's what is what is on on the line here for 2023-2024 and how much further in the back of the line in the Big 10 do you get with everyone else continuing to get loads of money? You have NIL, you have new facility to pimp, you have a really smart athletic director, great. How do you stay in the chow line so you're not last? It, to me, it comes down to, to, to getting it right, and I think there's been a lot of talk with the next hire, and that, that's where I was, I was going to say, is getting it right with the next hire, because it does feel do or die, but as long as you have 
fans who are willing to support the team through NIL, fans who are willing to go fill up Memorial Stadium on Saturday, fans who are willing to go uh, pay for that new $120 million facility. As long as you have fans that are willing to that, I don't think Nebraska is ever too far gone uh, to make the return. We've seen it from the likes of um, Alabama. Alabama seemed dead in the water uh, until they got a guy, Nick Saban, who's built that program up to, to something incredible. Uh, you can say the same for Oklahoma through much of the 90s before Bob Stoops came to town, mm-hmm. where Oklahoma looked a little bit dead in the water uh, with their program. And I don't think anyone ever thought that they were too far gone. And uh, the, the difference with Nebraska is the way in which they have gone about losing games over the past, say, six years, where they just do look physically outmatched, outmatched in most aspects of the game, where I think uh, people have this recency bias. Where they look at what Nebraska looks like recently, and they say, well, Nebraska is obviously too far gone to make a comeback. But as long as you have fans that are willing to, to put their money where their mouth is in terms of their fan support for the, this university and for this state, I don't think Nebraska is ever going to be too far gone. But this next hire is huge because I can see some of that starting to go by the wayside if you don't get this next hire right. Right. And no, you just you nailed it. And you still have the resources. You don't want those resources to dry up because you've quit on support. And it, it's interesting, too, with Nebraska – how they, uh, how they'll navigate, and 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 I think uh, you got to have the right, you got to have the right people in charge to go get the right dudes. And and listen, it's it's about compliments, and the compliment is to get a look at it like you did for JUCO. Okay, go get a Terrell Farley that's incredible to an already awesome defense. Okay. But don't ever be in the position again to be relying on guys that are too young to start or not ready on your lines of scrimmage. And have alternative options if you missed or a kid didn't get coached up in his first three years here. It's weird. But we talk about physical and being mismatched. Nebraska wasn't a year ago. They weren't. They weren't pushed around on the lines of scrimmage. They're getting pushed around now. They're getting destroyed now. Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't last year uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and that was super senior guys that have been part of the program for an extended time. And look how much better that made the defense look as a whole. I don't think it's a stretch to say. Uh, it, it's a little out there, but if you were to take, say, a 2012-2013 Nebraska offensive line and Nebraska defensive line and replace that the guys they got on the team right now. I don't think it's a stretch to say this team could realistically go out and compete for the West this season. The West seems wide open. Yes. And it really falls down the offensive line because the problem with the offense is not Casey Thompson. It's not Anthony Granite running back. It's not the receivers. They've shown the ability that they can make it work. It's the tackles. And really, let's just put the whole offensive line in there. No one, not a single guy on the offensive line. Like last season, you had Cam Jurgens where I went, well, the offensive line isn't very good, but... Cam made up for a lot. Cam made up for a lot. They don't have that guy this season to say, uh, well... At least they got this one guy. So I'm not, I'm not willing to put it just on the tackles. I'm going to put it on the entire offensive line. And I can say the same for the defensive line because I don't think that back seven is all that much worse than the, the back seven that this Husker defense had last season. What the big difference is is the, the strength and the, the quality of the guys you have on that defensive line. The, the, I guess I could call it the front four because it's not all defensive linemen, but you get what I'm saying. That's the, the difference in this team, and I think this team would look so much different if it wasn't for the guys up front on both sides of the football. That's exactly so, it. And, and that's, it, that's why I don't, I don't think this, this program is too far gone because some people are saying doom and gloom. Well, it's going to take four years for Nebraska to get back to a bowl game based on what this team looks like right now. Realistically, if you have a coach in here that can build up an offensive and defensive line, which 
any college that's coach your next will, hire, whoever it is, has got to do. And they have to they have to keep the positions uh, elsewhere looking good. But realistically, two or three seasons is not an unrealistic ask in terms of building up an offensive line. No, be competent enough to to limp into a bowl game at six and six. Okay, uh, let's get to Urban Meyer, his podcast with Tim May. Urban sounded off a little bit. Was asked directly about midseason firings. I just think it's intriguing, and the intriguing part is that I want to say from 2012 to 2000, and, uh, no, from 2002 to 2012, there was only like three or three coaches fired midseason. The next decade, there's 35. So you have to ask yourself, what changed? What changed was the amount of money that whether it be donors, whether it be television contracts, it seems like buyouts don't matter, even though the contracts for coaches have escalated so high. So, number one, you know, you saw it in Nebraska. If they waited a couple more weeks, buyout would have went down a little bit. And they, you know, they said they had to make a change uh, before the bye week, I guess. The second thing, Tim, is that early signing day changed the world. I'm not sure people really, really realize the significance of a oh, yeah. December signing day. And it's something 80, I think it's 85% or 90% of players are signed that. So you have to have, you know, in the perfect world, they hire a coach and he's putting together a staff, a little bit like when I was hired at Ohio State, I was able to put that staff together. But signing date wasn't until February. So there wasn't the panic. Yeah. The problem is that so far, what we got Nebraska and Arizona State, there's a panic right now. Urban on returning to coaching. No, I'm really happy at Fox. I'm really happy with uh, lifestyle right now. And, and I'm flying in today to see grandkids. And I just, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Okay. So he's happy right now. Last thought, Urban on Lance Leopold. I just have always respected the guys that have won at all levels. You know, that, yeah. yeah. This is not Luke that he's winning. You know, and Kansas is. I've always thought Kansas, you ever go to Lawrence, Kansas is beautiful. Yeah. I just never understand why, you know, Glenn Mason had it going for a while and uh, Mangino uh, had him in the Rose Bowl or yeah. Orange Bowl, you know, so I, I, I've i never understood why you get that dark cloud over a place. So, yeah, the fact he should be on people's shirtless, that's not a risk. You know, he, not, he might not be a big sexy name or something like that, but that's, in my opinion, when I started doing my research on him and reading about him, I never met him. But the guy's a winner. Yeah. And that's all That's all you can say about him. So a little bit of uh, Urban's podcast with Tim May. Yeah. Not a risk, Lance Leopold. You know, it's, it's going through some of KU's coaching staff as well. They go back. Some of those guys go back to, uh, to UNO with him. So, just figure out what would be available if Nebraska goes that direction. But Mickey, Mickey's still here. Mickey on the road recruiting. A jock docs on the way. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by Currency. Yeah. 
Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for 10 dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code gbr he's in his 30s but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other now say my name it's schmitty on hail varsity radio i got the body of a taut pre-teen swedish boy Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We say hi to Dr. Doug Tavis. Dr. Doug, how's fantasy going? Well, you know, we're not playing it this year, Chris. Oh, man. Hard to believe, you know, and it's been too long since I've been on the line with you that you didn't know that I was out of the fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is, and uh, one of the more exciting uh, quarterbacks was Trey Lance, right? North Dakota State product, really talented kid, and uh, the heir apparent for a team that's not far removed, the, the, the Niners from a Super Bowl. And uh, you've had a lot of injuries in the NFL because it always happens, but pretty gruesome one with Trey Lance. Let's talk about Trey and his ankle, Dr. Doug. Yeah, so, you know, when you see the replay on this one, it, you know, it just looks like his ankle buckles out, you know, uh, from under him. And, and uh, you know, he gets a pretty good pop, but it, it was really more the foot contact with the ground and the body weight, you know, shifting over the top of it, which, you know, we're so used to talking about with, with a lot of these injuries, um, whether it's knee or ankle or, or whatever. But the... Um, so he, he, he broke the fibular bone, which is that bone on the outer aspect of the ankle, and then also had a ligament injury. And so both of those areas needed to be addressed uh, surgically. And just as a, a basic thought process for, for ankle fractures, pretty much any time where we have a combination of a fracture and a ligament injury, there's going to be surgery involved. Sometimes with ankle fractures, if the ligament injury isn't there and it's just the fracture, we can treat it non-operatively, but not when the ligament injury is involved. Dr. Doug, one thing I noticed from uh, watching the, the play happen was that Trey Lance initially didn't notice his ankle was broken. He tried to stand up and he didn't quite realize something was wrong until he tried to put weight on it. So in, in the heat of the moment during a game, the adrenaline's pumping. A, how common is that? And, and B, can you cause any more damage to, to your ankle or whatever you injure if you try to do that? Yeah, so the, A, it's common. Um, you know, the, it is amazing what an adrenaline you know, rush will do for somebody. Um, but um, one of the things with ankle fractures is that the, um, there's just this reflex of, you know, getting off of it immediately, you know, when, you, when you've got a broken ankle, and especially one with a ligament injury that, realistically, you know, he, he couldn't have taken really any steps, you know, um, uh, and, and it just is one of those things where, where you know, you know, very quickly that you can't really try and do anything on that. Um, now, without the ligament injury, 
I've seen I've seen people try and and push through uh, the pain of a fracture, but with the ligament injury, the ankle becomes unstable, and you really just can't go through that. Dr. Doug Davis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, a jock doc Wednesday. Trey Lance, our topic, as a broken ankle and ligament disruption. Dr. Doug, when it comes to the surgery you're familiar with, how how difficult a surgery is it? And I, I ask that because I look at the the flip around here. They, they think, they air quote being some folks in the NFL, he can be healed 10 to 12 weeks and, and, and still be back maybe towards the end of the season. Yeah, so the, the wild card here is the ligament piece. Uh, the, the fractured fibula, the, that uh, again, that's that bump on the outside of the ankle, if you want to say it that way. Um, that bone heals up pretty quick. Uh, you get, get in there and put the, put the plate and screws on it, and you, know, you can get that thing healed up pretty well in a six, eight-week time frame. Um, obviously, it takes a little longer than that for them to, you know, uh, get back into any kind of plane shape. But the bone can get healed. The ligament, um, unfortunately, is um, a longer issue. And the the 12-week kind of time frame, you know, I would say uh, 10 weeks is, I, I think, is just too optimistic. 12-week is, is, you know, maybe a uh, possibility. Um, but the problem with the ligaments is that uh, it's difficult uh, to do a direct repair of those. Um, so what you're really doing in most situations like this is you're um, holding the ankle in a position where the ligaments have a chance to heal up, but it's really just the, the body healing itself once the, the bones are positioned correctly and the, and the uh, ligaments get a chance to heal up. So there's a the, the ligament between the two bones on your of your leg bone is called the syndesmotic ligament, and that ligament when when it uh, is damaged, we don't go in in between the two bones and try and sew that together. What we do is we put a fixation device across the bones and squeeze the bones together so that that ligament will have a chance to heal. Um, that's what takes the the length of time uh, to heal up. So he might come back, but I, I, I wouldn't be overly optimistic for this year. What what can you do to those ligaments to get them firing again? I mean, there's the healing process, the uh, the surgical work, but then when it comes to the recovery aspect, the rehab, what's, what's the best medicine? Yeah, so um, when the ligaments get damaged, that's when we will frequently end up with kind of a stiffer joint. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, if, if it's just the bone that we had to treat, um, you know, we can, we can put stable enough fixation on that to where we can actually begin early motion with an ankle, for instance. But when the ligaments are involved, we just have to let that sucker sit there and heal without moving it. And then we have to fight the, uh, the stiffness that's there, um, that, that comes on from the immobilization. And so um, what really is going on here is trying to work our way through that stiffness. And um, that, that, that is primarily proprioceptive work. It's, it's trying to retrain the ankle, you know, where, where uh, it is in space, you know, like when you're trying to push off the ankle, the, 
your your brain doesn't think about okay my foot is in this position it just kind of happens and that's that proprioceptive sense and that's what they'll work on in rehab they'll they'll work on giving him back that proprioceptive ability to understand where his leg is in space so that he can do the things he does as an athlete Dr. Doug Davis with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Trey Lance is our topic. Uh, talented rookie quarterback as he's waited his time and got a got a nod and uh, and busted his ankle. It's now Jimmy G back. Uh, this is a movie, Doctor Doug is is what it is. <laughs> but uh, we'll yeah. see how things uh, move forward here. Does it matter to you, real quick? Dr. Doug, if it's his plant ankle or the, uh, the the left ankle when he's following through with his throw in the pocket? Yeah, and that, it, it really doesn't make any difference from a treatment perspective. But um, stability, the, the, yeah, the, the stability and the, and the push-off, you know, the push-off piece can make a difference, obviously, for somebody, you know, in, in a throwing motion. And... Um, uh, that is going to be influenced by how stiff this ankle is, and again, how how well does he, you know, get a sense of of how that ankle is positioned when he is trying to load it. Um, so, it can make a difference. Yeah, Doctor Doug, we'll get caught up next week. Thanks for a few minutes today. You bet. You guys have a good day. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, midweek edition, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency for all your equipment, financing needs, go Currency. Also, buckle up. Using your seatbelt saves lives and prevents injuries if properly worn. This message presented to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We are two days away from a Friday road show up at the Hale Varsity Club in La Vista. We want to see you up there ahead of high school football on Friday. Good ball games in the Metro. I've got a ball game tomorrow night here locally over on uh, Sister Station KFOR, uh, Millard North, and their option attack against Lincoln Southeast. Mm. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Eight o'clock kick tomorrow night there, uh, Seacrest. So I get the chance to see Millard North, really uh, storied program. Same with the, same with Southeast. You know that Elijah playing ball for the Knights like he did, and uh, we are pretty happy with today's show. We'll be better tomorrow though, because we got Gary Barnett, Bill Bender, uh, Brandon Vogel. And uh, a sit-down with Danny Burke because there's all sorts of betting that can and will be done. And, and if I do end up in Council Bluffs on Saturday, I need to know. Are you going to just hunker down at the sports book? We'll see. We'll see. Just, that, really? I got okay. nothing else planned on my Saturday. So that, that might be a good look. It's just Go lose a paycheck or go win a paycheck. Win a paycheck based on what we hear from Danny Burke tomorrow. Sure. I got I to know if so I'm crazy play, for wanting yeah. to hammer Florida to cover 10.5 against Tennessee. That's a monster number. It's a big number for a rivalry game like that, and it, it's it's in Knoxville. So, but that has never really faced Florida. <laughs> but this Tennessee team this year does like look different. T. Martin, no, they're good, but Florida, like Florida, 
crap. The, I mean, Kentucky's good. Kentucky's a good football. Kentucky's probably probably the third best, fourth best team in the SEC. Fair? Like, you got Ole Miss there. You've got uh, Bama. Okay. You, Bama, you, Georgia. Yeah, Bama, Georgia. And then I think Kentucky's right there. Pro- I mean, I think Mississippi State's pretty decent, but they're not. I mean, I think Ole Miss is probably third. But who's to say? I hope I don't know. I don't know the crossover schedule if Kentucky plays Ole Miss this year or not. But then it's it's probably that. And then there's LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi State, all kind of in that somewhere four through six range, mm-hmm. four through eight, somewhere in there. So it's loaded. K- Kentucky's a good a good team. Kentucky took could down be Florida. an eleven win team. I mean, for them to go win, and I think Utah's a good football team. So for for Florida, Florida's. Good. They just weren't good enough to beat Kentucky. Ten and a half just seems a little. That seems a little nasty. High. A little in that, high in that rivalry, doesn't it? So we'll get Danny's Burke, Danny Burke's take on that tomorrow. Big thanks to Mike Babcock, Evan Bland. Great to spend time with them, and uh, and just kind of talk about where you're at here uh, on the spectrum of optimism or pessimism with the uh, the FPI win total that's now projected. And we heard from uh, a lot of folks. They're optimistic that. The kids will get coached up, and I don't think it's going to be for lack of effort with the kids getting coached up by Mickey and the crew. But where where can they go, and what can the season still be with eight games left? Also heard from Urban Meyer, and he's happy at Fox for this week, (laughs) for now. Uh, Join us tomorrow. Find the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play for Hale Varsity Radio. Give us a rating, good, bad, ugly, or uh, watch us. Uh, do so on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. For Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, talk to you tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. A Huda Media Production.